Hello and welcome to the Thirst Eye Podcast, where we take our ideas, visualize them in our third eye, and bring them into reality so we can talk about them in tangible ways. I'm here with some of my freaks and friends. We are all agents in this journey of enlightenment. I'm nine seconds away from flapping my bingo wings and flying away. Agent Nine here. I'm here. More like broken hips. Agent 13 is here. Hi, I'm Agent 19. Strap in your dentures and get out your walkers. We're going on an adventure. Agent 11 here, and you can't put me in an old people's home. I'll kill myself. Now that the plague is back, let's talk about the Middle Ages. No, not those Middle Ages. I mean, the Middle Ages of our lives. Last episode, we pondered the years of our childhood, but today we are contemplating the biggest question of all, what is it to be adulting? Uh, Can I just start by saying that I can't stand the word adulting? That's valid. Yeah. 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 It's one of those vomit words. Like, that's like... Only moms can say that. Only moms can be like, I'm adulting. You can't be like, like if you're like under the age of 30 and you're just like saying the word adulting. I I don't understand. Agree. I kind of cringe a little bit every time I hear it. Adulting shouldn't exist. And I'll tell you why. And it's because being an adult shouldn't exist. Like being an adult isn't an actual thing. It's just like an age or a concept. But adulting is basically just like being responsible, like doing those things in life that people don't really want to do or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that shouldn't exist. Like obviously it does exist and you have to like work in this society. But I'm just like on the mood lately of like... um, why should life have to suck like that? Like, why have we just been like, ugh, adulting? Like, why aren't we just like, hmm, why does our society like suck so bad instead of just being like, well, I'm just quirky, like adulting, teehee. You were talking about how adulting is usually used to describe stuff that you don't want to do, but I, I think we should question the framing of that. Like calling it adulting, it's like we're implying that that's something that we have to do. Um, that's just like a natural part of growing up and being an adult. All of these things like doing taxes, slaving away for like poverty wages. And that's usually what you hear people say when they say, I'm hashtag adulting. They're never, like, referring to all the fun stuff that comes with growing up as hashtag adulting. That's a really good point. Because as much as we were, like, harping on the, like, being a baby is great thing last episode, I think it is important to note that, like, there is good things with being an adult. Like, with with aging, like, you have possibilities to, like, experience all of these things that, like, weren't available to you as a child. Uh, so, it, like... It's like a welcome change, but at the same time, yeah, the reason why we want to be babies so bad is because these things that have been lumped in with the category of being an adult are just like not fun. 
And like, I mean, all of us for like context are like mid to early 20s. So we're sort of in that phase of like figuring out what quote unquote adulting is. And I feel like our generation um, is sort of coming up with its own version of adulting, you know, Um, because yeah, we're not really living up to the generations before us in a sense. Like adulting very much looked at like, I get this nine to five job. I have this house. I have these kids. I have this family. I have X, Y, Z and this and that. But I feel like our generation is sort of like paving its own path. And like in some ways it's like kind of a hot mess. And in some ways, like I think we should be sort of changing the ideals that center around like being an adult and quote unquote adulting. Uh, so it's it's a complex one. Yeah, and I find it so um, curious how when we're kids, we're almost always like rushing to grow up. We're always like, wow, I wish I was 16 or I wish I was 18 or 21. And a lot of times, like when you are a kid, you don't really like fully enjoy it, especially if you're in a toxic environment. And once you're an adult, once you've, like, got your own place, I think that's also part of the whole baby thing where you want to, like, just explore the things you didn't get to explore. No, I think that's I think that's a really good point. So I feel like a lot of people do sort of have a second sort of childhood as a part of their adulting. Yeah, I feel like they're sort of with adulting you're still sort of dealing with your inner child because your inner child is always going to be there like you're never fully gonna like mature from this past hurt or this past programming unless you like address it but yeah i have noticed especially since i'm like college age that like a lot of my peers especially like people with like more stricter parents or whatever do sort of have like this like second childhood moment of just like doing all of this like crazy stuff because like their parents wouldn't really let them do crazy stuff. And I feel like that sort of leads into the point of how your childhood sort of affects your adulthood years because a lot of things about people that we notice as traits in their adulthood are actually just things that they adapted as like coping mechanisms or like survival strategies or like personality traits as a result of like what they went through as a kid so i feel like it's really interesting to sort of like unpack people and why the way they are the way they are um (laughs) like that's probably why i don't fuck with too many people because if you start analyzing everyone's like subconscious problems or whatever it could get like a little a little messy but um I I noticed that there's a lot of things that I notice in my adulthood that I struggle with. And I'm just like, oh, I could almost see where that tied in from my childhood. Yeah. And I feel like that really brings us to the topic of maturity and emotional maturity, because one of the biggest parts of maturity is noticing those patterns and those behaviors within yourself and in others yeah that's a good point because 
for the most part, I feel like most of the population is sort of walking around like unhealed from these things. And like, that's not like a huge problem, but if that like starts affecting like you in your life and your relationships with them, like that's sort of when it becomes like an issue, but maturity is a big thing. And I think we sort of want to define maturity as sort of like, oh, you're just an adult, you do your responsibilities, yada, yada. But it's definitely something much deeper than that that I don't even know is necessarily like tangible. Like it's it's like a certain combination of wisdom, but also like learned ex- experience because you can be old and not be mature, but you can be young and you can be mature. Like it doesn't always necessarily have to be, oh, you are like mature and wise with age. Like that's usually the case and that's the way we see it, but that's just not always the truth. Yeah, um, I think it starts with like seeing things in other people and then recognizing them in yourself and correcting that behavior. So you don't repeat the cycle of um, not being self-aware. That's true. For the most part, I feel like people attract mirrors, whether they realize it or not, um, where people either like reflect your traits back at you or they almost mirror like the extreme opposite of your traits and show you sort of like your shadow. But I feel like that is like a, a good way to, um, to, I guess, work through and like find your maturity. Another thing about being mature is just, granted, we all get like triggered to like a certain extent at like certain things that like affect us from our childhood. And I'm not talking like like a trigger warning trigger. I'm talking like it could be a little thing, but it could also be a more traumatic thing. But um, yeah, basically we're often like triggering these things back from childhood. And like we can either choose to react sort of um, like just sort of lose our mind and like react really out of control and maybe blow things out of proportion or maybe like start maybe for example like you start a fight with your boyfriend because something he does like reminds you of like trauma you had from a child maybe he did something that reminded you of your father or something so you like blow up at this person because you're mad at them but in reality what they did isn't like such a big deal but you're just mad about the trauma that triggered from your childhood. So maturity can be sort of, you are able to pause in your mind before you react. And it's still like a hard, it's like always a hard thing to do. No one is perfect, but I wanna say like maturity in terms of spiritual growth is like having this real awareness of yourself and being like aware of your triggers and like aware of these things. And if you don't always catch it in the moment, um, like you should be able to reflect on it after the fact and be like, oh, like maybe in that moment, I wasn't being so mature and I was being triggered for X, Y, and Z reason. But it could be really frustrating to not be around people who are very self-aware. And I feel like that's a problem we have in our society because I feel like I'm lucky that I have a group of friends that I consider to be pretty self-aware people. But for the most part, it'd be kind of bleak out there. (laughs) Yeah, and also being aware of things that you thought were your own original thoughts, but were actually just products of 
the society you were raised in for example like bringing up the concept of maturity itself yeah 9 and 13 brought up how a lot of times our concept of maturity is tied to our material like i see a lot of people my age that are buying houses and living beyond their means just because they think that's what they're supposed to be doing knowing that they can't afford a house but still buying a house i think that's another important point to make about adulting and i could sort of go back on my own personal experience in a sense that i'm kind of outing myself here but i've always had like a difficult relationship with the concept of like adulting and growing up just because certain things about me like for example um I may have been like slower to be in like romantic and personal relationships than some kids. So like most people had their first relationship in high school, but that isn't necessarily something that I never like experienced that. Or another thing is driving. Like I never got my driver's license in high school even though that's sort of like a normal like coming of age moment. So I didn't have a lot of these like really big coming of age moments in high school where they sort of society sort of expects those moments to be so because i went into college not knowing how to drive and like never having my first kiss things like that like i felt like i was doing something wrong in society i felt like the biggest loser but the more i realized it that it's not like a material competition like those are like material things and like i think like sure eventually i will like get the relationship or the driver's license or whatever but the biggest thing is that i was measuring myself against this societal standard that doesn't necessarily matter like sure practically it would be helpful to have the driver's license or the boyfriend or whatever but like you don't need those things i'm not any less than because i can't provide these landmarks that society says i need to have because other than those things i'm a perfectly like smart articulate caring person like i've proven my worth in other ways but society sort of expects you to prove your worth and prove your adultness um by these landmarks that are sort of coming of age moments and yeah i think it's we need to to focus on that you not everyone has these coming of age moments and they're not always at a specific time or a specific order and that's okay especially if there's any little babies out there listening yeah and you saying that it makes me think of before you have like any of those things like a relationship or like responsibilities or things like that you you should work on yourself first um try to be like more emotionally mature cuz sometimes like people who have all the material things before they're emotionally mature they can't handle it and it becomes overwhelming and they just can't deal with it and they like i don't know go into debt i think that's a really good point because that's sort of what i've been trying to look at this period in my life i may feel like this period of my life is kind of uneventful and i'm not doing enough because i don't have x y and z but i feel like the most valuable thing you can do is like put attention into yourself and even if it doesn't feel like you're doing a lot you're still like learning a lot of valuable lessons about yourself 
And yeah, I feel like it's easy to be like, oh, why don't I have these things in my life? Why am I not adulting in the right way or whatever? But oftentimes because you don't have the things you feel like you need or want to have in this life or this society or whatever, you often don't have those things because yeah, you're just like waiting for the right time to receive it. And that's only gonna happen when you're at the right point within yourself. So I guess the best thing you can do is just, again, keep pouring that into yourself. Because I think instead of adulting, we just need to like, uh, that that term needs to be replaced with like self-improvement or something. Because anyone can function within a society, but not everyone can like be aware of themselves within the society they're supposedly functioning within. And also, when we say self-improvement, we're not talking about this whole industry of self-improvement. We've talked about that on our third episode, if you want to hear more about our thoughts on that. We're talking about actually doing that work and just feeling fulfilled being yourself. Yeah, we're not talking about paying someone to make you self-improved or going on Amazon and buying 37 self-help books. That could be slightly helpful, but also, yeah, it's a little deeper than that. You have to like actually look at your life a little bit. Look at, put, put that critical thinking lens on your life. And I guess it's a little scary to be self-aware. And maybe that's why people aren't self-aware, just because it's kind of a pain in the ass. Maybe that's why I'm like so sad all the time is because I'm just like thinking about my life too deeply. But I don't know. I feel like it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's a helpful skill and we're, we're alive for a reason. We weren't put on this earth just to sit around and twiddle our thumbs and like eat food and sleep and have sex. We are humans, we have like this consciousness for a reason and we should be pondering the the meaning of our existence. We shouldn't just mindlessly going through. But at the same time, not everybody um, has the luxury to maybe do these things. There's definitely a certain element of privilege that comes with being able to sort of self-reflect because obviously like, you you're in a good enough situation in your life where you like have the time and the energy to do that for yourself so i feel like that's important to mention um because a lot of this does come from survival um or issues with survival or like providing for your survival needs so um since that has has so much to do with like how we developed and matured into adults, I feel like it's important to mention that, yeah, it do be rough out there, but as I, everyone just gotta be doing the best they can. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I do know um, several people who, because let's say they live in a bad household and they're not able to get out because times are tough, not everyone is, has that privilege of being able to move out and they hold on to these coping mechanisms because they need them and it it really does help them survive yeah i think i came to a point where i was trying to self-improve and like to the point where i was like nitpicking 
everything I did. And then I started realizing that we aren't trying to be perfect people. Like we're just trying to be the best we can at the moment. So it may be okay if like at first you may have some unhealthy coping mechanisms or whatever, but the biggest thing is that you're just like aware of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> This conversation's kind of reminding me of a girl I know whose family went bankrupt in 2012 and they had to sell like everything in their house. They had to sell their house and move to a different city. And since then, her family's like really come back up from being like just dirt poor and um, on like food stamps and everything, the whole shebang. But she's, she's 16 now and she, like goes to school and has a job so she's um, working on top of being in high school and she just got her license and it's like she is so much more mature than some adults I know because she's just been through it she's already been through life before 20 and it's just so amazing to me because I know like people who are older than 40 who aren't even as mature as she is. Yeah, I think that's a good point that, again, like age doesn't necessarily equal a maturity level. Yeah, at the same time, if you are in a hard situation and you're at the point of like becoming aware about that situation, even if you are in that hard situation, you could like use that to like be mature and rise above um so there is sort of like this flip side of the coin like you could always like choose to elevate yourself but there is sort of points in your life where like everyone sort of like struggles and still has some like unhealthy things in their life but we we love a girl who um is like employed in high school because um can't relate i'm a disappointment to society but that just ties back into the adulting thing anyways because there's no such thing as a disappointment to society we're all winners yeah um the only reason that you would be considered a quote disappointment to society is because you're not contributing in the way that the 1% wants you to contribute. And it's really sad that high schoolers, you know, children have to work um, in order to support their family. Um, in this society that we live in, in this capitalist society, that's just like one of the like things that happens. Yeah, like the way the 1% like thinks you're a valuable member of society is being a wage slave for them. And like, they don't really care about you. They'll throw you away in a second just to get a new person. Yeah. I think what you said about um, like the way they see your work and like deeming it as valuable, I think that's important to like touch on because yeah, I think there is such a thing as real bums. I do realize I said we all would in this society, but I'm sure everyone knows like actual real bums who like sit around all day and do nothing. So there is like a way to actually like fail in this society. But a lot of people just wanna like 
make art or create music or like do things that are outside the norm like that, but they're still sort of, you're like doing something, you're engaging. But society wants to deem that as less productive. So because I don't have a job, I'm just like drawing all the time. I feel like like a complete like waste of space. But in reality, like any sort of creation, any sort of production, regardless of whether it's like feeding into like uh, the capitalist machine we have should be celebrated. And I feel like if we celebrate that, there would be less bums who just want to sit around and actually be bums. And but at the same time, we should be allowed to be bums sometimes. <laughs> and even people who we, who we would call bums, often it's untreated mental illness. Maybe it's addiction, which is mental illness, which in our society we treat as a criminal offense to be mentally ill. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm not talking about, like, homeless people either. Like, if you're homeless, like, that's, like, actually, like, something you're working through. But I'm, I mean people who just be sitting in their house all day, like, watching Netflix, like, not getting off their couch. But that also could be mental illness. Mental illness comes in multiple facets, and... The more I delve into society, I'm starting to realize society and mental illness are very like intertwined. And it, it very much like speaks for sort of, everyone's mentally ill because there's the society we're in isn't set up in a way that's conducive to being mentally well. Like that's just a symptom of this society. Like if you're mentally ill, you sort of have to start to realize that for the most part, it's not you. Um, it's very much like this society. <laughs> because mm -hmm. that's another big thing with adulting, because I graduate from college next year, and that's another sort of transitioning to adulthood, uh, um, growing up moment. And um, with that comes a lot of stress and pressure and sort of freaking out and like, oh my God, what am I gonna do with my life? And yeah, there, there's a lot of pressure with that. And we all have these points in our life where um, we sort of have to evolve or we're like thrown into things. It's like nobody chooses to, meet, to be mentally ill. It's not a choice and they can't help it. And a lot of times people don't know that they're mentally ill. Like, they can't tell because that's just the way it's always been for them. Yeah, yes. yeah. I definitely experienced that. Most people are mentally ill. <laughs> they just don't realize it. Right. And like they can't emotionally mature or grow up um, because of it. And they're just not self-aware about it. And it's just, you know, there's they have problems and they don't know why and it's hard and then that just like spirals out of control because then hurt people hurt people and then it's sort of like this cycle of trauma because i yeah. can see in my family like the people who did me dirty are people who i can very much see undiagnosed mental illness within and they're just like completely unaware of it so um 
being an adult is a mental illness because sure. there is sort of this stress that sort of looms over or is supposed to loom over your adulthood that totally shouldn't mm-hmm. yeah a lot of people are like oh you're an adult it's just stressful all the time it's the rat race and they just accept it and they're like haha yep another day another dollar you know working hard or hardly working like if you're not completely just absorbed in your job then then they like view you as like worthless or not working hard enough like mm-hmm. you're just not a good enough adult you're not a good enough person if you're not dedicating your life to your job you know yeah. and i feel like that's um kind of like is a, a mental illness in its own self cuz that's not right you shouldn't be dedicating your life to a corporation that doesn't care about you yeah and there there is like you could have i mean and this is sort of just like trying to thrive within capitalism which i mean it's not preferred but i mean it, we're doing the best we can within the system although like the preferred would be like a change system but um mm-hmm. you very much can like involve yourself in life work that's fulfilling our society just makes it really hard and makes it seem like if we do so it's not going to be like fruitful or whatever because again i'm an i'm an artist so that's another one of those things that's like ha good luck getting work after college there's no choice like there's no such thing as an artist but that, like again that's sort of like a real thing that does exist but c- continuing with the art theme i like to think of like adulthood as like a blank canvas and you could sort of like do what you want with it but like our society's like oh you paint it gray and you like stencil these lines on but in reality it could be like literally anything you want like it's literally your life like there's like infinite number of experiences to have on earth but like we're very much told that there's like one way to do it like you live to make money and like die essentially um but you don't have to have it be that way like you can make choices um that hopefully are sort of um lead you away from this very like rat race lifestyle because no one wants to do that like sure that gives you quote unquote security but that doesn't do anything for your soul and for your spirit and I, that's sort of where you get into the midlife crisis territory because that's when people sort of realize holy shit i have dedicated my life to this thing that like doesn't care about me doesn't benefit me and in reality is actually like draining me of my life force so that and usually like the typical midlife crisis reaction isn't like that much better they normally just like leave their wives and get a hot girlfriend and like a fancy car or something which is very materialistic but if they were actually like self-aware they would sort of um come to terms with like actual ways to make their lives more meaningful but in reality that's sort of what we're all trying to do in every single moment to sort of avoid having this midlife crisis um like we should be having like a like an every couple of months crisis and then um and then you won't have a midlife crisis yeah, that kind of feels like 2020 every couple of months crisis right um, 
I want to go back to like a few things, like back to the mental illness conversation. Um, it also ties in with like um, our our healthcare system. A lot of people can't get the help they need because they don't have healthcare, so they just live their lives undiagnosed and unaware because they just don't have resources available to them. And and then I'm going back to a thing you said in the last conversation where you said nobody wants to live like this. I don't understand, like, you're right. Nobody does want to live like this. So why doesn't everyone just change it? Like, people are just like, sit, like acting like it's fine when it's not fine. There, how many million Americans are there? Okay, that's a lot of people. All of us living like this in other countries too. Like it's absurd. Like this has been plaguing me since my childhood. Like literally, why are we living like this? Right? We can stop it. Like there's enough of us. We don't have to sit here and take it. Yeah. A lot of times people think that this is fine and this is in their minds the best system but it's really not yeah they're like that's just how it is haha you know yeah it's 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 like a mind prison yeah like obviously there's gonna be points in life that are difficult or require like some hard work or responsibility or struggle like a lot of good things in life involve these aspects but the way our society has just like made that like the point of our existence is just like bonkers like obviously like remove this system people are still gonna be working hard and like x y and z but it's gonna be for like an actual good reason or fulfilling reason not just like polluting the earth and getting people rich Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why can't we work hard towards like sustainable energy? Because like that, you can still get rich off of that. I don't know why they're acting like fossil fuels and nuclear energy is the only way to get rich. Like you can completely throw that stuff away and still get rich off of like solar panels. You know, if they want to get rich, like it's still an option. Right. Yeah. So far, I guess Elon Musk is the only one that's on top of that. Maybe some Chinese billionaires or whatever. But at the end of the day, the system, we we would still be living in that same system. And we might be, like, society might last a little longer if we do switch to renewables. And earlier, 13 brought up how she's graduating from college this year and that brought me back to my high school senior year and how I used to be so terrified of growing up. Um, I did not want to turn 18. Bro, So scary. I literally like cried the entire day of graduation because I was like literally what am I supposed to do now and I was like really ashamed because I was like all of these ugly ass people are gonna think I miss them but (laughs) no I actually I had some friends in high school that I actually did miss but for the most part yeah it wasn't like an I'm sad cry it was like an I'm deeply like 
horrified, this is awful cry. And like I said, once I went into college, I've come to realize that there is like these perks to being an adult. But again, it's not, it's, it's like adults purposefully want to make adulthood look scary. It's like your high school teachers are just like, ha ha, wait until you're an adult, it'll suck. And I'm just like, why you want to tell me life's going to be so terrible all the time? Right. I remember when I turned 18, I felt sad that I could no longer be tried as a child, like in case I wanted to do a crime. I, and I just felt like I should have done more crimes when I was younger because like you get it off easier. That's I, I, just something I was bummed about. I do be thinking about that. I don't know about you, but I get off easier as an adult. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but it is valid. All these feelings that um, you get when you're growing up and you're realizing that you're not a kid anymore. Um, But in a lot of ways, As we get older, there's all these companies that prey on that, prey on our insecurities, prey on our lack of knowledge, our innocence. Yeah, for sure. They try to, like, sell you all these products and say, you can't do this without this, and you need this, or or you're, like, not, not doing it correctly, you know? Yeah, now now that we're like talking about this and we've really like analyzed the ideas towards adulthood, because now that I realize that adulthood has sort of been projected on us as this kind of negative thing, even though it necessarily doesn't have to be. And I think um, our like society's responses to aging are very like appropriate and like aligned with that sort of um, fear and hatred of like being an adult and aging that I'm sort of seeing. Um, Because it's very obvious that people don't want to be old. People don't want to be an adult. People, everyone's sort of obsessed with this youth. And you could see that um, as like a very human thing for like hundreds of years without, like throughout culture. And um, it's, it's like a very human insecurity and like where any insecurity comes, um, it comes in capitalism just to like make it feel worse. <laughs> it's like, oh, you have an insecurity, time to make it a worse insecurity. But yeah, uh, the anti-aging products and um, things like that. <laughs> yeah, and we also have to examine where our beauty standards come from. Why is it that what's considered sexy is like the beauty standards for women is being a hairless like petite child essentially yeah so I feel like that um comes from like it could come from classical artwork you know how when they always paint women they're always like hairless and naked and stuff because they wanted to um emulate what they think goddesses would look like um because goddesses are hairless on their bodies apparently but also like that's called also kind of like infantilizing um like women and femininity and 
like that's eh, iffy. That's suspicious. <laughs> I see like, what you're saying. That's definitely a little sus. Yeah. There's like a weird like teen girl obsession in this society. Um, yeah, it's like very uncomfortable. But yeah, it's sort of like this ideal man is like. Um, I feel like an ideal man is sort of like this like sexy wise like older man. But I feel like the ideal woman is just like um, like a t- a tiny teen. Like I'm just like, why y'all like have mm-hmm. like this porn view of women? <laughs> well, um, when you said ideal man, I started because they do it with everyone. You know, like Michelangelo's David, or um, what what Adam in the Creation of Man. Yeah, that's true. There is sort of, like, the god yeah, imagery sort of going on. Yeah, they're, like, hairless as well and young. Um, but not, like, young as in, like, under 20. They're at least between 20 and 30. You're right. Like, they're, like, a sexy older man. Like, they're- <laughs> they got a little facial hair. Like Between 20 and 30 is not older. They're chiseled. They're not older, but, like, they're they're older than, like, I'm like a 14 year old virgin and like that's literally <laughs> like what they want to think is sexy because that's how they want girls to look in like porn videos when they like try to sell like these adult women as teens or whatever like I, it's just that, like creepy that kind of um makes me start thinking of like like how Catholicism is like a shame-based religion and if you're not pure, you're dirty and disgusting and worthless. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and a lot of like art and religion are tied into each other and that's what, you know, that's all what our society grew from even though it's like hundreds of years, like hundreds of years ago, it's still affecting us today because it's in our subconscious. Because we see all this stuff throughout our lives, you know, because it's considered classics. Well, I think it's obvious to say that young people are obviously going to be more beautiful. That's kind of like a fact of life. And that's not to say, like, you can't be, like, old or elderly and be beautiful. But it is sort of like this traditional thing. It's like a fact of life that you will age and you will look different. And like, obviously you're not gonna look as good when you're 80 as you do now. And like, that's just one of those facts. Um, So I I don't think that's like, as much as like some big conspiracy against us as as much as it's just like a fact of life. But yeah. It's, it's interesting because, yeah, most of these artworks of beauty are going to be of younger people, obviously. Um, but then you could probably look and find artwork of older people and see how those older people are portrayed. And I feel like usually it's more like reflective and solemn, sort of like as you're aging, you're sort of like reflecting on your life and reflecting on like the life around you and the life like surrounding and like remaining in your life. So, so it's interesting, but, um, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you make a valid point 
have, like you make me think have you ever seen those pictures of like the old monks drinking wine or eating food or something and they're just like um jovially like just like laughing or smiling i think those are really funny yeah and i think that's another another good one to like discuss because i feel like you can have like a couple different vibes when you're like in your old age you know because mm-hmm. like these monks are like they've had like a fulfilling spiritual life or whatever so they're like jovially laughing but some people like in their old person are maybe looking more like reflective and solemn and yeah i feel like we're very much um th- there's just like a lot of um choice i guess in our old age like if they're sort of like a result of our actions in our younger age and not necessarily because sometimes life just like takes you where life's gonna take you but for the most part i feel like um if you focus on staying young at heart you'll feel and act and maybe even look younger when you're in your old age because you've sort of committed your life to sort of you know staying young or following what you love and things like that but again if you go back to those people who are like having midlife crises or like in the rat race or like doing all of these things they don't like or that are bad for them they're obviously going to show their age physically um on their body probably die younger um have more issues um and are probably could be genuinely like more unhappy in their old age and i mean uh, that's obviously not all of the time but old age can be like a hard time for people but i feel like there's never like a wrong time to start like looking at your old age because for me in a lot of ways like i'm very much an old lady now like i could probably just be content like knitting and playing cards all day but um obviously that's not not everyone like obviously live your life and be young but there's never a long a wrong time to start planning to be old because like the way you take care of your body and your mind now is going to like affect how it obviously ages in the future so the kinder you are to yourself now is like could potentially pay off one day that's extremely valid mhm yeah we should start valuing age more like um instead of desperately clinging to our youth we should as a society um destigmatize stuff like wrinkles and gray hair and embrace that cuz i i find those beautiful i find wrinkles and gray hair beautiful yeah there's definitely like beautiful old people um and i feel like that beautiful old people are beautiful because they've embraced being old not necessarily because they've tried to erase it like there's like a grace with that and i mean obviously there's like milfs with botox as well who we also stand but like those are sort of like flip sides of the coin <laughs> um that's also like probably their energy when you're young so like follow your dreams like if you want to be a milf with plastic surgery be a milf with plastic surgery follow your flips yeah i like personally i don't want to have wrinkles or gray hair 
Um, I, I just don't like them on myself. It's not my aesthetic. It's no one's aesthetic, though, but it's like a fact of life. I feel like that's just people need to get more comfortable with them. I feel like it's fair to not want to personally have them, but it's kind of like no one goes, oh, I don't want to be a baby. That's not like personally my aesthetic. I just can't like goo and gaw like that. Like, I just can't be like a little tiny like that because you have no choice. Like, you're just a baby. Like, everyone's ugly when they're a baby. Well, actually, babies babies can be cute, but when you're born, you look like a prune. Like, no one's like that cute. But it's like one of those things that you have to go through. Like, it's inevitable. And I want to sort of go back to the spiritual point um, of we aren't our body. And like, as much as we very much like identify with this body in this moment, a lot of cultures believe that we are our soul, not this physical body, and that our soul will move on to somewhere else or another body after this life. So if you think about it, like that's just your body. Like that's not you aging, that's your body aging, if that makes sense. Like you are eternal. Those aren't your wrinkles, that's your body's wrinkles. You're just sort of like ripening like a like a little peach. You're like you're like a little peach in your your youth and then you turn into like an apricot or like a raisin in your old age and that's fine but the real you is like timeless and eternal so i i think there should be no shame in those things yeah and as as you say it's um this vessel that we're in it's just part of the nature of the vessel that it ages and as much as we like to harp on the material realm on this podcast, we should see the beauty in that. We are all going through this process and everything is going through this process. Yeah. Because aging can be scary, but I think, it, well, like we said, adulthood was scary when we crossed the line of adulthood. But like eventually one day we're gonna like do it, we're gonna live through it and it's gonna happen and it's gonna be fine, you know? So um, yeah, I feel like it's important to accept old people in a certain sense. And I know we're definitely gonna get into shit talking old people because obviously there is a lot of problems with the old people in our society. I mean, old people are running our government right now and it's clearly not going the best. But also, like, old people are at a very vulnerable state in their life. Um, The closer you are to death and sort of the closer you are to birth, the more you are uh, close with sort of like the universe or the spiritual realm. So I feel like it's interesting to sort of look at those special psychic gifts and abilities you had when you were a child, a potential like returning of them um, in your old age, because you sort of, as you age, um, especially towards death, start to revert to childhood. So I feel like that's a really interesting one. Um, And I feel like when you are older, that's a good time that's a time where a lot of people start to turn to God, whether that's like spirituality or religion again, because that is the time of your 
life where, again, you get closer to death. And with that sort of um, comes, like you sort of have to come to terms with that um, within yourself, whatever way um, you're sort of gonna do that. But there is sort of like a beautiful thing about being old. Um, And as much as it's scary, again, there's sort of like a loss of autonomy that comes with being old, Um, especially like watching uh, like family members sort of like argue and debate like around putting like family members and stuff in like home like retirement homes or like taking care of them in their old age you can really see how like how vulnerable of a process that is and it is really scary to get old but at the same time it's sort of I feel like that sort of harps on why we should be more of a communal society instead of um, a very individualistic society because a lot of these old people aren't getting taken care of the way they need to. Families sort of need to come in and have to take care of their loved ones. But obviously that's like a mess if you have a toxic family, which is a whole nother thing. But old people face a lot of challenges, but also a lot of things we don't necessarily face in our youth. You do bring up a good point when it comes to how a communal society would be so helpful for old people, because I know a lot of old people that are really lonely and it's so sad seeing how their families just leave them because They either just don't care or they're too busy to be there for their aging parents. And in a communal society, everybody would be there for our aging people. Yeah, that also like kind of reminds me of the phrase like it takes a village to raise a child. but it like also takes a village to take care of the elderly. You know? Wow, that sort of reminded me of, um, this is sort of like a side point, but I read like something about like this tribe in Africa the other day, uh, where like the tribe, like essentially like a child is sort of like given its own song. Like the mother like goes off when they've conceived the child to like, go off and listen for the child's song and then it like comes to them and then like throughout this child's life as they like grow as they like um if they do something wrong um and they need to be like reprehended by the society or um if they're having like a celebratory moment or like a marriage a birth a death or something like um the community like comes together and like sings this song to them that they were like assigned at birth. That's kind of random, but I I just feel like a communal society is such a beautiful thing. And yeah, I feel like a communal society is definitely something that's much more comfortable with these sort of facts of life, which are like birth and aging and death but the society we're living in now wants to sort of like ignore these things because if you think about it it's very much like a miracle that we're here and that we're going through all of these things and that we're being born and that we're dying um 
but we tend to sort of just be like, okay, this happened, what's the next thing? And then you just try to like cope with it. But this communal society, like they're there for you. Instead of assigned gender at birth, it's assigned song at birth. Right. That's cute. Right. Yeah, I love that so much. Like, it, it kind of goes into how everybody has their own resonance that is unique to them. And I think we should adopt that just as a species, all of us. Yeah, like, that's literally the most beautiful thing I've ever heard, honestly. Um, but it's true. And another hashtag adulting thing seems to sort of be erasing this sort of like individuality we all have and sort of like conforming into the machine or whatever but uh that's that's also not adulting because we do very as much as I do want to say we're like not our body or whatever. Our souls are still like very much like individual. So um, I think it's important that we continue to like stay true to that. And I think it's important that as we age or as people around us age that we don't like lose our individuality. like. We see a lot of, like, old people, and they just look like old people, you know? It's not like, you look at young people, and you're like, oh, well, this girl's, like, this aesthetic, or, like, this person is this and that, and, like, there's all of these, like, different types and factions of people, but if you look at an old person, you're kind of like, that's an old person. But if you think about it, like, old people shouldn't have to, like, lose their individuality like that they should be able to dress however they want or express themselves however they want and I mean if you have a conversation with an old person I mean you could see for the most part that the old person is still an individual but um we very much want to like rip the individuality away from old people but I think that's important to hang on to because it's always been very much my goal to be like a cool old person, like like a tattooed grandma um, who just like is cool and like witchy and like makes organic cookies with her grandchildren and just like makes spells and does cool things. I don't know. Just like I feel like it should be everyone's goal to be a cool old person though. Like what's the point of living to be old if you're not going to be a cool person? Uh, You just brought up such a strange contradiction that we have in our society that even though we have such a focus on rugged individualism, our individuality is being erased by that. Yeah, it's so weird. We're very, like, individuality-obsessed but like at the same time not at all like i i feel like that's another thing we might have to do an episode on because i feel like our system our like definition of individuality might be another one of those things that's kind of warped because we're trying to be individual in this sort of outward way and i feel like our society is very much like obsessed with aesthetics right now to the point where like people are like visually individual now 
Um, but we were still sort of like sh- stripped down uh, and sort of are acting within like certain societal norms and trying to fit within certain boxes and are very much still like, like it used to be easy to spot like a normie or whatever. Um, but now it's a lot harder um, because our society is such like an individual thing. But yeah, I, I want all the grannies to start looking like thoughts and dressing like they shop at Dolls Kill now. Um, so we can truly like see that rugged individualism. I would just like to say that we're not endorsing Dolls Kill. It's just uh, a store. I was that- dragging them. I'm sorry. So as much as there's like, um, like I feel like I've been trying to advocate a lot for like old people rights because I feel like that's like very much a thing that's important because I love my grandparents but also um, old people can also be very much annoying and you could probably see a smidge of that in your own grandparents as well as much as much as we all love our own grandparents because a lot of them are probably like more conservative or more stubborn than we necessarily want to deal with. Um, but you can see like a lot of um, stubbornness and sort of like cynicism and some negative traits that sort of happens in people's old age. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that, but yeah, old people aren't necessarily angels either, just as much as um, we were talking earlier about how age doesn't equal maturity. Like you can still be an old person and be a dick. Like you're not automatically like um, cute and pure because you're old or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. So I've kind of been wanting to like go off about old people. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I just, I don't, I think like past a certain age, like, you shouldn't have, like, as many, I guess, should I say political opportunities or just, um, like, like, old people should definitely have rights, like, because I know they're mistreated in, like, the nursing homes and stuff, and that's a big problem. It's kind of an epidemic, um, but also, like, they shouldn't be in, like, positions of, like, power like national power and they shouldn't be deciding like laws that will affect the like future in the next 40 years so like they won't even be alive for it i literally saw a tweet talking about this exact same thing today it had like forty-two thousand retweets but i'm gonna read it for you just so we have the stats but i think this is really important it says our presidential candidates are 77 and 74 our senate majority leader is 78 our house speaker is 80 the average age of our senate is 62 the average age of our house is 57 the average american is 37 years old let's not pretend this isn't a problem we need term limits and young people in office but as much as it sounds unethical to be like, oh, as you're older, you should, your political opportunities, and we're not being like, okay, old people should have their like voter IDs stripped away from them, but term limits seems like such a valid thing because there's no reason old people should be sitting in the Senate from like when they're 30 to when they're 70. Like that's absolutely appalling. 
Yes, it's exactly right. I agree with everything. Um, like I do think past a certain age, like 70 or 75, you shouldn't be allowed to like vote on decisions that don't, that won't affect you in the next five to 10 years because you're going to be dead. Um, that's, I'm a, I'm kind of a fan of that. Like, that's like one of those things that's kind of like would be hard to implement because of like rights issues. But I feel like that's also a really important issue about like, we're having all of these people make decisions on things they won't see in their lifetime. So I feel Mm -hmm. like that sort of like the gravity of that needs to be highlighted. Yeah. And it's like, for, for certain topics, there should be only like a certain group of people that should make the like decide the rules on it. Like for abortion, I don't think men or old people should be able to decide on that because it doesn't even affect them. Like it's something they'll never account encounter. Yeah. Um, and it's just, and it's those like those, that's the t- group of people that is making the decision on it. And that's, it, it's just not how it should be. Yeah. Like, my grandmother's 73 and she's in the like developed like starting stages of alzheimer's and i don't think she should have the like right to vote or decide on like laws i know that's like like that sounds really bad but if like you're mentally incapacitated like that i um, would say that's fair though i think that's not as like risky as you think i don't know Okay, well, she's a Trump supporter, and she's gonna vote for Trump. And I feel like a like there's a good chunk of his like fan base who is very similar to her, and they're not in with reality. Like she's mistaking now, like she's mixing up the '70s and the early 2000s with like things that are happening now. She's confusing me with my mom. Like her brain's not in reality she doesn't know what reality is and she doesn't know that this is happening to her she thinks everything's okay it's Mm -hmm. and i just like that's not safe that's not voting responsibly because she doesn't know what she's voting for she doesn't understand right yeah she doesn't know what's going on i think that's yeah that's really there's another one of those it's like a sticky ethics issue but like yeah morally like the argument makes sense i don't know yeah i'm kind of like um like a nip the problem in the bud kind of person just um like be cold and callous about it get it done and over with like the ends justify the means it's yeah i know it sounds um like rough (laughs) at the same time we can't just always blame old people for right you're right everything um because that is one of the divide and conquer um strategies that the one percent has used on us that we're blaming our old our grandparents for like our student debt when it isn't they're not directly responsible sure they might have voted some people in place but that's because of that mind prison that we're surrounded by people that are in the same mind prison that's Mm -hmm. true and i feel like as much as it's like valid to have like um 
old people hatred in your heart like um number 19 over here has but it's also like like it's not that big a good point that that is a very good divide and conquer strategy because a lot of i feel like like the liberal media sort of wants to turn you against your grandparents um and be like oh my god the world is burning it's because my granny voted for trump or whatever but in reality like um your granny who voted for Trump is probably like not a deep-seated racist. I mean, she could be. Some grandparents genuinely are, but they're probably not. They're probably just again an old person whose brain is a little foggy and they're like navigating like these social norms that are completely different than when they were growing up. So, it's sort of like again we're villainizing these old people and yes some old people should be villainized but um it, it it's a very good strategy to divide us and to start seeing the people around us as enemies because as soon as people start seeing their grandparents as the enemy it's like over because old people again as much as they're problematic they're also like they're like the opposite babies of our society they're like ba- old old little babies little little benjamin buttons yeah you're both right and you're both valid it's like i'm I'm just voicing like my frustrations because like you know i already made the point yeah and that's that's also valid um old people are really annoying especially when they assume that you're going to grow up to be like them and mm-hmm. I have a theorem about that. Um, so I think that our generation and maybe the millennials are going to be the last generation, like the first generations, I guess. We're going to be the generation that doesn't do that because of the like circumstances that we're like inheriting because we're going to have to deal with the climate crisis we're gonna have to deal with disaster and the like it, it would be really foolish for us to just fall back on the same things that the other generations before us have fall back on yeah yeah our generation right. has sort of created its own blueprint um yeah yeah it, it's like, can the old people just die already so we can hurry up and get on with our plans? No it's offense. Not, I feel like our generation doesn't necessarily have a plan, though. We want to say we do, but... Like, well, the Green New Deal's a start. That is a start. I think the Green New Deal should have passed, like, four years ago. I honestly oh, don't know sure. why we're, like, still talking about that. Yeah, it's... It's... I don't know. Or this we could society. also give the natives the land back and let them practice yes. their rituals, yes. which um, a lot of which were to protect the lands and make sure all this crazy like climate-related changes due to like human stuff didn't happen but because of colonialism and all this crazy stuff we have all these crazy weather changes and 
we should just give the natives back their land. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you. So I haven't really talked about this, but um, if most of like the people who are in government and office were natives, like, because it's it's not. I don't think they're they're not ever going to get their land back um, in, in the way as like giving back the like deed and property rights. Like there oh, needs yeah, to be sure. like a higher like percentage of like native native people in politics, I guess. Um, which I mean, politics doesn't necessarily always mean anything. It's but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying though. It's kind of hard to just like up and give quote unquote land back. Like that's kind of like a complex one. But we were just talking I mean, about I, I, how like our new generations like gen z and all this the possibly the millennials could be the change and maybe in a couple years once like the generations before the millennials go away we could start working towards giving the land back yeah and um this talk about the no i didn't whisper to stop i okay. was on mute but sorry i thought i heard you whisper stop. like i thought i heard you whisper that that's so creepy <laughs> anyways so when we're talking about this being impossible it reminds me of the the same mind prison that people who are stuck in the capitalist frame of mind have that will never get rid of capitalism because it's human nature or because it's just the way it's supposed to be um Mm -hmm. and what the land back movement is really about is about giving it's not about going back to pre-columbus times it's about um giving back the sovereignty of these people who lived here before okay yeah that that's valid it just like someone with the colonial mindset who owns land is never gonna give it back i i get what you're saying like i don't i don't know the ins and outs of that movement specifically but like i get what you're saying like giving the land back doesn't necessarily mean like we all move off the land it's more so like the physical like spiritual like rights like to the land and obviously we took that from them or whatever but um native rights but also like a lot of these older folks need to understand that the land they quote unquote own is stolen land like it they want to come up and say it was like a treaty or whatever but in reality it was stolen land and we could definitely do a episode we could like brush up on our education on that and talk about that but I, I think it also comes with what you were saying I don't necessarily know if people closer to their death age, I guess, are necessarily more spiritually connected or woke. 
I guess the, is the word because of how hard-headed they are and how deeply mm-hmm. um, connected with capitalism they are and that this topic is like proof and there's so many yeah. other topics that prove that they don't really open their minds to necessarily like try to understand why things are the way they are yeah i agree with nine old people are so like set in their ways and they're unwilling to accept um a new reality or change or like they just mentally can't even fathom it because they think the world should always be the same as how it was when they were growing up and they're just they don't want to change it because they're I don't know if I should say like scared of things that they don't understand but yeah when she says they're hard-headed and um capitalist like they have a capitalist mindset it's definitely so true and we need like it's another reason why we need to change out who is currently in power yeah and i guess that also has to do with um how even though they say they're not they might not necessarily admit that they're babies like that clinging on to how like the most recent generations have been like falling into this capitalist mindset they're unwilling to go back to even before these more recent path um generations like we used to literally have no borders we had we could like roam freely and that was like for centuries rather than a couple thousand years of what we know as capitalism and all this um chains that we have put in society nowadays wow nine you were talking about age and wisdom and that that got me thinking about the archetype of the old wise sage and how we don't really have those anymore these days and it got me thinking did capitalism kill the old wise sage Ooh. So I'd like to speak on that because um, that, I feel like that's an archetype that sort of existed since the dawn of time. And I want to say that still exists and we still sort of see that within media and culture. There's like this sort of like Gandalf, like Dumbledore character of like th- this old wise sage. Um, and so um, talking about like old wise people makes me think of like how the stereotype of like the old wise black man or like the magic black man who's a janitor and he has like he like gives you powers or something or like Morgan Freeman and Bruce Almighty who's a god it's just um that stereotype is depicted a lot in um in like Hollywood and our media and it's um I don't know if you could call it a sage but it is, I guess it's like um, similar to Gandalf, like a, a modern representation of like a, a village elder, I guess. Um, but it's also kind of like 
part of the colonial mindset where like you you think this old black person can just come up and solve all your problems with like a wave of his hand and magic powers will come out um it's just it's it's kind of um i don't know like a silly stereotype interest it's interesting that you brought that up cuz i've never really thought of like made the connection between those archetypes um or and that's that stereotype because um like what you're describing really comes from like minstrelsy how there's all these stock characters that were the black characters in a lot of early media such as the Mamie, the Jezebel and that old wise black man character. Hmm. But yeah, I feel like we're seeing that like decreasing amounts in America and they definitely do exist and I've met them, but they are it's it's rare to find like a truly like enlightened older person. But um, I think it's because our society is sort of losing slash it never had sort of a deeper connection with like, whether it's like God or like nature, the land, the universe. Um, So I feel like that's again, something that maybe native people have that we don't, but um, in like Hindu culture and um, within like the bhakti tradition, it's sort of normal that um, they sort of have these life stages planned out. So like when you're younger, you're like a celibate monk, you're like a brahmachari. But when you are older, you're sort of like a renunciate. And when you are in your old age, like that's the time where you focus on going home to God, you focus on spiritual perfection, you focus on um, all of these things, like you read scripture and stuff all day. So within those cultures, like they've really highlighted and made like that a priority. And like, again, I think that's important that um, at like a certain point um, in our society that old people stop working, typically they retire and they're supposed to sort of have these years of their retirement to maybe like, relax and sort of live this renunciate lifestyle in our society people either don't retire because they can't afford to or have the means to or they sort of retire and just sort of spend these years just like chilling out and going on vacations which i mean is a fine way to live but um ultimately like old people are depicted as wise for a reason. They're not automatically going to be wise. You're not automatically going to have this wisdom because you're old. I mean, you're going to have a little bit of it because you're going to have lived through more experiences than a young person, obviously. But that still doesn't necessarily indicate like a depth of wisdom. Um, So I think we sort of need to like return to finding some sort of deeper connection and I feel like earlier in the podcast, we were talking a lot about, um, I don't know, like growing up and 
becoming an adult and becoming self-aware. And I feel like if you are truly self-aware and mindful moving throughout your life, that sort of breeds like maybe a wise sort of sage character adult because throughout that consistently applied um, self-reflection and self-introspection, like you might eventually find that wisdom, but that wisdom just like isn't granted to you with old age. Now that we're on our deathbeds, we'll see you on the other side on the next episode of the pod. But first, let's pass over to our intentions. So my intention is to hold myself accountable to make sure I don't become one of those old people that get stuck in the zombie-like state of, like, capitalism and all these crazy and like things that society wants us to continue through like future generations my intentions are to bring down the government and people in power and change them out and replace them with native peoples and young people to um, bring in this new era of sustainability and knowledge well that's just cute um i would say my intention is um earlier we were sort of talking about um comparing ourselves to like the standards that society has set for like coming of age and being like a good adult And I think it's just important that I keep trying not to be too hard on myself and just be happy with, like, the progress I've made and, like, the way I contribute to my society in my own unique little cutie baby way. And, um, yeah, I also think it's... um, I want to just keep focusing on... um, just growing as a person and always having that be on the forefront so that when I'm an old person, I could be a cool-ass, lit-ass, um, carefree, spiritually-aligned old person. Um, because, yeah, I think in your old age, um, you might as well like leave this world in style having a good time. So I think um, that's where we should all work to be mentally. This has been Agent 11, and my intention is to really just examine the way I think about old people and um, unpack my relationship that I have with old people in my life. Um, Also to make sure that anyone I know that has aging parents doesn't put them in retirement homes because those are probably the worst places to um, live the last days of your lives and um, it really is sad seeing people being um, put into those places um, because the function of old people in our society shouldn't be to just rot away out of our sight and they should be wise and 
sharing the, their lived experiences with us. And if they're in a, a retirement home, they won't be able to do that. Um, also, yeah. yeah, just same as everyone else, making sure that I age into a healthy old person pretty much. And yeah, I like the idea of just like old people sitting in like the center of the village, like telling all of their like life stories to the children. Like, I feel like that's how it should be. Like, I feel like that's what we mean by like the wisdom of an old person. They have like the memories and the stories and like these things from the past that are only going to be like these are histories that aren't necessarily being recorded these are histories that are told orally and like um throughout human history there's been like a big tradition of this um passing things like orally from like uh from generation to generation but i'm like kind of afraid that we might start to lose that as a society and i think yeah we should bring that back and start like getting stories from old people again and i encourage you all to like go talk to like a your grandparents or like any old person in your life and just like let them blabber at you because like they live for it so this has been our sixth episode follow us on twitter and Instagram at Thirst Eye, so the number three S T E Y E. But you can also find us on TikTok at Thirst Eye Podcast, so the number three S T E Y E Podcast. That's Thirst Eye Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. See you in the next one.